Hello and welcome to the Pressing Matters podcast. Uh, we're back. We were away for a week and we're back better than ever. We're back. Uh, I'm Sam Hyde. I've crashed your intro because we're back. This is Toby Priestover. So hello, excited hello. to get going. You can't wait to talk about football. Uh, let's just go right into it, shall we? Patrick Vieira has gone. Uh, everything is happening in the football, uh, apart from Premier League matches, because there was only six of them. But Patrick Vieira lost a Premier League match, and now it's Roy Hodgson time again. Yay! It proved a costly one. It proved He lost a match, it proved a costly one. Everything's going on, Sam, from big UCL draws, and I don't mean nil-nils, from sackings f- to international squads being released to... Wow. I can't wait for those international squads to play international football. Oh, it's a thrill. Uh, well, let's let's start with uh, Roy Hodgson and the, the Palace situation, should we? Uh, hashtag Hodgeback. Uh, why is he back? <laughs> because... Uh, he retired, as you remember. He came out of retirement to manage Watford and did pretty badly. And he's still an old man. He's not getting any younger. And he seems quite different to Patrick Vieira in a lot of ways. Particularly in how they play football. So why why is he back, Toby? Can you explain any of this to me? Well, it's panic, isn't it, Sam? It's the fear of losing the the juicy the juicy financial doping of the Super League, isn't it? They're sitting in twelfth, but it's a bit of a false position. Well, not actually, no, not it's not the false position, but because they've played a lot of tough games, um, and I feel a bit sorry for Vieira to be honest with what he's had to endure. Um, but I don't really understand it. What it is is panic, fear going back to your old ways and also kind of a throwing in the towel a little bit of attacking front foot pressing football you know which is quite a sad thing a sad thing and to be honest I hope they get relegated now because of that purely because of that because they've thrown the towel in (laughs) on their attempt to climb up the table by moving away from sit in and counter-attack and pick up as many points as possible because they've they've gone back to it. And not only gone back to it, they've gone back to the same... He's 75 years old, Sam. Give the guy a break. Let him retire. Let him have a bit of peace, is what I think. He's he's older than the country of India, I think I saw today, which which means he's old. I mean, Palace are in, in 12th, as you, you said. Uh, they can't go any higher this season realistically because they're 11 points behind uh, Villa at the moment um, it, it, I, f- I do feel quite bad for Vieira because it's basically saying we think the team is going to slip down the table which is quite a big hypothetical I think to get rid of someone um, obviously not been a great start to the year for them uh, not been scoring not been having shots on target in a few of their matches, but I don't know. What well, what's going to happen with Hodgson? Are they just going to slip down? What what are their six next fixtures? Get them up, Sam. Get them up. Get them up. But, but, but they've got six six pointers, right? Yeah. So I, I'll tell you their fixtures. The next match is against Leicester, 
Uh, and then after that, they've got Leeds, Southampton, Everton, Wolves, West Ham, who are all who are all in there very much. Yeah, so they've brought in Hodgson out of pure fear of those six games, that if they don't go well and they don't perform in them, and they end up continuing this poor run of form, that they're not only down and amongst it, but they're like actually in a in a real scrap. Do you know what I mean? It, they're now they're, it's desperation isn't it um, well they just don't want to lose I guess is the thing If they, they, their, their season has to be they don't lose to the teams below them and it seems like the next six fixtures are all teams below them and maybe there's a logic to Hodgson being really defensive and then maybe if we get five draws a loss and two wins then we'll be safe but are people Gonna be happy with that palace in terms of next season's prospect. I'm gonna say no. Well, yeah. Where do you go from here? Um, because you can't keep going back to Hodgson. What What's the end goal here? You know. <laughs> well, he can't. He can't go on forever. I don't think. I don't know what the oldest Premier League manager is actually. At the very least, they have to find a new Hodgson that they can keep turning to to get them out of it. Bring Vieira back once they're safe. Why not? Honestly, that's kind of not a ridiculous shout, right? Or is it? Is that a ridiculous shout? It's like a weird job share. Yeah, like, Patrick, get us as high at the table as you can early on. If it's high enough to be safe early early and early enough on, then, you know, see it out. If not, sub out for a bit, get someone who's going to guarantee us some points. And there we go. But, um... Yeah, I mean, uh, it's 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 a strange one. Realistically, teams below them also have games in hand on them, and everyone would say you'd rather have points than than sort of games in hand at this stage in the season. But at the same time, they could be looking around and and they could be even further down and closer to the drop. Their form is a concern as well. They've not won in thirteen now, I think it is, and they've in the last five matches they've got the worst form out of anyone. Tied with with Leicester, but the team's not bad as well. By the way, why why is it it bad? I, there's just no goals in 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 that in those forward positions. Uh, yes, Zaha, you can you can play down the middle, I suppose. But is he really going to deliver? The the cent- they've not been conceding a huge amount of goals, but they just can't score goals. Because um, Gay's good, uh, Anderson has looked great. You got Tyreek Mitchell. Um, and they're sort of nearly it's like they're sort of nearly there with what Patrick Vieira was looking to do but they're now caught in no man's land between going out and being attacking but just sort of being left open and maybe not having the finishes to capitalise on playing an aggressive system also Gallagher bit of a loss there with, with him not sort of staying on afterwards did they ever really replace him from last season I don't think so. They brought in Decore, who looks good, but as a, as a holding six in front of the two centre-backs, um, you're still lacking sort of energy and someone who's going to run beyond the striker and things like that. So, yeah, um, a few issues. You can understand why Vieira's been sacked, but it feels... When we spoke about Leeds and Southampton and sort of sacking managers without there being a plan behind it, there is a plan here in place, at least, with Hodge back, hashtag Hodge back. But 
Is it actually a good one? Is it actually a viable one? I'm not sure I know what the plan is. You said there's a plan. What? What is the plan? <laughs> well, the plan The plan is bring in Hodgson, make them defensively sound, but they already are pretty defensively sound, and then and then hit teams on the break when they when they sort of expose team, you know, surrender possession, surrender territory, and then and then utilize that that turnover and that space left behind because you've surrendered territory to expose teams and and win games from there. And if you're not going to win them, at least you're sort of defensively sound to stay in them. But I'm not sure recently there's been a huge plan in possession under Vieira anyway, right? But surely it's better than Hodgeback and 75-year-old Hodgeback, retired Hodgeback. Yeah, I would have thought the Watford stint would have done him in. Uh, you know, done. Well, that sounds like he, he died. <laughs> done him in as in not wanting to come back. It's it's not like they brought in Emery or Lopetegui either. I think. I feel like we're being quite harsh on Hodgson. Like we're being quite down on him. But uh, I don't know. I do worry about Palace now. No, I, yeah, you're, you're you're right. You're right. We are being down on Hodgson. But I think it's not so much Hodgson coming back. It's more Crystal Palace wanted want to go and do what your Brentfords, your Villas, and what Wolves looked like they could kick on and potentially do what Leeds have wanted to do, um, what West Ham have wanted to do in complete the transition from a team that is stable in the Premier League but stable because they defend stoutly in a low block on the edge of their, in their own third, and then break and, and transition into an attacking team that can sort of dominate more phases of the game than just attacking transition and doing well out of possession because you're so negative, right? And I just think the managers that have been brought in for other teams to do that, you look at Villa, they've spent more money, fair enough, but they have brought in Unai Emery. Um, you look at Fulham with Marco Silva, and how well they've done this season, but also how well they've played this season, and and the actual performance level rather than the results that they've been putting in. Um, and then obviously, look, you look at Leeds and they tried to do that, and it didn't work under Jesse Marsh, and now they're in their own sort of similar situation. Um, but I think the issue is is just that there's far more inspiring managers than Roy Hodgson, and it just feels like a cycle and it feels I mean okay here's the thing do you think he keeps them up ultimately that's that's all that counts now do you think he keeps them up uh yeah probably yeah I think he probably does so in the grand scheme of things it's probably not an awful decision but do you think Vieira could keep them up right now that's a th- that's the thing. Like, uh, probably again, I don't see like that much difference uh, in terms of how well they do. And then you've just got the headache of how long is Hodgson going to last? Uh, well, Hodgson won't be there beyond the season, surely. I don't know how long his contract is, but well, exactly. Because then, if if it's just that, then you've got to start looking people in the summer again, and it's I don't know. It just feels like a headache. Yeah, but then maybe Vieira didn't actually do enough in either of these. Like, past two seasons to really warrant uh, a long-term stint anyway 
I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure last season they were a similar amount of points. It just wasn't this tight, with a bit of a swing, where they sort of took a few more sort of big. They took a few more scalps of big teams that you wouldn't have expected. But they'd probably be kicking around twenty-seven points in, after twenty-eight games. I reckon. Yeah, I think they had like three more points or something. I think I saw this. Okay, so you know, it's just the fact that there's no. There's no whooping boys in the league. There's no Norwich or there's no Huddersfield or there's anything like that who are already basically down. That means that all three teams who are down there at the moment could get out of this dogfight. And it's so tight from 20th up to 12th that anyone... It's that fear and panic, like we, like I said at the start, and anyone could, anyone could go down. And so <clears throat> they've gone, they've turned to Hodgson. Um, I, do, I do hope they get relegated because of it, though, honestly. There's a lot to play for. It means when you're looking at like the the title race fixtures as well, it's very confusing because half the league is in a relegation fight and they typically get more points at the end. So it's hard to judge. Yeah. What's yeah. what is an easy game? I mean it's just it's just it's just uh I mean it's a nightmare, Sam, is what it is. But it's gonna be fun to watch, it's gonna be fascinating and it's gonna be it's going to go into complete and utter desperation with sort of five games to go. Imagine that. Talking of desperation, uh, Gareth Southgate uh, as, as must be pretty desperate if he's picking Harry Maguire. You'd think so. But at the same time, uh, I think there are other English centre-backs who are better. <laughs> Is that controversial? Well, he must be desperately looking for a reason to tell the journalists why he picked him. Yeah, I saw actually because because um, Trent wasn't in it either, and uh, the journos are asking him about uh, about Trent and White at the same time, and it was it was um, slightly surprising that Southgate um, spoke about both of them in comparison to Walker Trippier and. Reese James. Yeah, it's sure. um, I saw this as well, and he just didn't even consider Ben White as a centre back. Yeah, because it feels like, because I, f- I feel you know Ben White got called up to the World Cup squad. I feel uh, a lot of a lot of the reasons for that would have been his centre back performances. Obviously, he played the whole season at centre back last season uh, for Arsenal and did it at Brighton, obviously as well in a in a three. Uh, and he was like really, really good for Arsenal. Obviously, he had that. Um, he had that a lot of talk about him after his first game because he got absolutely bullied by Ivan Tony in his first game. I think looking back on that, you say he's not the the last player to have been bullied by Ivan Tony. Yeah, he's not alone in. It's not alone in that. Pretty much since then, he's been absolutely excellent. So it does feel odd that players that are so. They're so like Trent and White are so brilliant on the ball, uh, and I feel like that would be something that would give you a lot more than Maguire and uh, Eric Dyer do, uh, to say the least. Well, I was just going to say it's it's scandalous, Sam. And and how much are we allowed to complain, right? Well, I complain a lot, and then people just say that uh, you know he got us to these finals, and he's our best manager since Alf Ramsey. And it's quite hard to actually say. But I still hate it. But 
I hate it as well, Sam. I just can't wrap my head around it. I really can't. We literally the whole problem. He, he what I will say is that you have to give him credit that he can set a team up that is pragmatic and is good at staying in tournaments. Okay, there's no and going to the latter stages of the tournaments. But but in his in his England teams, there has still been a gulf of creativity, and there have still been huge issues in actually winning a tournament and yeah okay we get to latter stages and that's great but then you have to look at the next level if when if we kept finishing second in, in the league kept finishing second kept finishing second you wouldn't just turn around and go oh yeah but he keeps finishing second you know oh you got to give him that you, everything would be sort of oh yeah but they've not got the extra yard to get over the line or they've not got the mentality to get over the line or this is classic x team they always bottle it and they never they never sort of you know you don't get credit for coming second in anything else apart from if you gareth southgate in a in a tournament so it's not to say it's not a good achievement i'm not even saying come away from the from the five at the back if you if you don't want to and things like that but ben white would be excellent in a back five carrying the ball out of the defense and and you could be so much more flexible sort of down that right hand side in it becoming a four and him becoming a a proper right back and you could do all sorts of things, um, and it just—it's just baffling that he doesn't choose that, despite it actually seeming to fit what he wants to do as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I—I I think one of the things with um, with the perception of Southgate as well is that I think people are quite used to England being bad, and I know that England have had brilliant squads, particularly with like the golden generation, sort of. 20 years ago I guess um, but the FA have done such brilliant work I think and you look at the young English players we have now and how how smart they are technically like thinking of like Phil Foden as a prime example uh, I feel like people still think that England are like a quarterfinal team and I the, the squad and obviously like how good the Premier League is and the, the fact that these players are starters for big big Premier League teams uh, I feel like we do need need to step up to the levels of like your France or your Argentina or your Brazil, uh, just to be able to compete at that level, which I don't think we are. And uh, you know, thinking about the youth of England, it, it's really disappointing to see that Southgate's just bringing back all these old, kind of out of form, sometimes not playing for their teams. Players that are not going to be useful, uh, certainly the next World Cup, but maybe not even at the Euros. You know, if we're bringing Harry Maguire and, yeah, let's be honest, players like John Henderson even, like, uh, you look at Calvin Phillips, he got called up even though he's not playing hardly at all for City. I think he's got like 60 minutes this season. Uh, Eric Dyer's another one. It feels like this is just such a great opportunity to bring in to Maury and get them used to the team or you know whoever but Southgate is just sticking with the the, the old guys yeah I think I think okay there's a few things to unpack from what you said there I think the first thing to say is that I don't have an issue with him playing pragmatic tournament football okay look France are blessed with one of the greatest squads that we've that we've ever seen in this French generation, and yet Didier Deschamps is still going to be very pragmatic. He's going to be defensive, 
and then utilize Mbappe as like his sort of weapon on the break, or he's going to sit them in a in a rigid block, you know, um, and things like that. Okay, I don't think you need to be sort of Luis Enrique's Spain, where you're blowing teams away seven 0 early on, but ultimately you, you you've got these wingers that are high and wide, stretching the pitch at all times, eights um, pushing on and sort of. Um, joining the forward line to make a five and, 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 and things like that. I don't think, I'm not, I'm not, I think we're not saying that we want this kind of style of football. I've got no issues now. I've come to, I've, I've found peace in his, whether it be a four or a five and whether it's two holding midfielders and he's super conservative, fine, fine. But just at least play some more worthy players in those positions or some more exciting players in those positions. And if you want to not let the reins off completely, that's fine. You don't need to. But you could still find a way of fitting in our better in-possession players who can break down those teams that we might typically struggle against, especially when we're playing a five with two sitting in, or maybe if it's four with two sitting in who aren't allowed to go and roam or anything, and you've got like a pivot of Rice and Phillips who just have to stay in an area that's going to screen and protect the defence. You know, that's fine. But but play maybe the exciting fullback who's incredible in possession or maybe and has won everything there is to win at club level. Or or play the ball playing centre back that can go and overlap and be exciting. Do, do you know what I mean? That's that's the first thing. And then the second point is I've got no issues with some people like whether it be Henderson, Walker, Trippier, not Maguire, but whoever. Look, I get that in football there are things that aren't quantifiable and you need certain characters around dressing rooms. I do believe that you need certain characters, mentalities, mindsets, people who are going to, like, people that can can create, like, a group that self-manages, essentially, as well, yeah? I think that is crucial, but it's like we said, you've still got to invite other people to that party so they can join it. Because what's Harry Maguire's career path going to be in the next... What, what, what year is the next... Is the Euros next next summer? Uh, yeah, yeah, must be right. The summer after this year. Yeah, obviously. yeah, not this year. So in a year, basically a year and a few months at this point. What's Harry Maguire's career path going to be in the next, let's say, 15 months, realistically. If he stays at United, which is a huge if, because he doesn't play. Well, if he stays at United, he won't play, right? So uh, what Premier League club takes him on his on his Man United wages? Well, he's, he's going to have to have a wage cut, isn't he? Okay, but, but, be, but who then takes him anyway? What... what don't get me wrong. I'm not saying no one would have him. I'm not. I'm not stupid. People would obviously come in for him. But where does he actually go? He's not going to go to Arsenal. Obviously, he's not going to go to Man City. Obviously, weirdly, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if he ended up at Spurs. Well, I was going to say he's probably. Is he better than Dyer? I'd probably say he's better than Eric Dyer. Wouldn't you? Uh, Hot take. Yeah, probably, probably. But Spurs are just a total mess at the moment. So who knows anyway. And how much would they have to pay United for him? Uh, well, that's a good question. I don't know. We we have no idea because I don't even know. You're signing the Man United club captain, right? 
But anyway, Newcastle, he's not going to go to Newcastle. He's not coming to Liverpool. He's not going to Brighton. He's not good enough for Brighton. And then what? We're at like Brentford, Fulham. <laughs> I'm looking down the table. Chelsea, he's not going to go to Chelsea. They're not going to be in <laughs> They've got like 100 centre-backs that are better than him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So where does he then go? I don't know what... I don't know what his career path would be. So then let's say he stays at United, right? Because he is the club captain and it'd be completely humiliating if he left anyway. But what then... But then he's not playing because why is he going to play? You've got Varane and and Martinez actually forming a partnership and being, you know, pretty successful, to be fair. They're third in the league, still in the Europa League, won a cup, still in another cup. We're going to start playing Maguire again. It's ridiculous. So what does Maguire's career path look like? And so how could you be... It's just... It's like Southgate's being too nice for him. It's like Southgate's looking at it going, well, you're not going to play for United anymore. You're priced out of any move to any other club. Any of the top clubs aren't really going to want you. Um, so, you know what? You can just come and play with us at England. Come on, come and play with us at England. Uh, that'll make you feel better. Um, you've always been nice to me. I've always been nice to you. I'll just let you keep playing at England. It'll be fine, because we'll play a back three anyway. We'll hide all of your mistakes. We'll play against absolute cannon fodder and terrible teams in the qualifying stages anyway um, and it'll all be fine I, d- I just don't understand the logic at all uh, yeah I also don't understand the logic of Ivan Tony as well because uh, he was uh, amazing leading up to the World Cup and didn't get called up in the end uh, just as this FA investigation started kicking about um the investigation obviously is still going on and now he's got called up uh, when he's, you know, slightly worse form than before. But I don't know, I just don't understand it. Like, I really like Ivan Tony a lot as a player and he should have been in the World Cup squad. But, like, I don't know why now. And especially when you've got players like Ollie Watkins that are scoring, like, so much. Like, I think you should have both of them in that England squad because, uh, you know. Because they're both doing well. Simple as. I agree. I agree. It's not a case of not wanting Ivan Tony. It's just it just it just makes I just don't the decision that. before to not take him to the World Cup seem more stupid because clearly you do like him. Clearly these betting charges or whatever aren't a huge issue because you're gonna pick him now. So then what is what was the thought process before? And so what's changed? Because I don't understand. It's it's a puzzle. This has been a very. Uh hate-filled episode by the way (laughs) (laughs) apologies but there's a lot going on that we don't understand and maybe maybe someday we'll get answers and we can come back to this and be like oh yeah Southgate wanted Maguire so that he could do this this set-piece routine maybe we'll know soon (laughs) maybe we'll know soon probably not can I I go on to another hate-filled topic um oh yeah let's just have all the hate yeah yeah. international break news sam slow news breaking news what becomes what becomes real what right david ornstein comes out reports oh liverpool aren't going to get jude bellingham because uh um financially they can't compete we already knew that we already knew that if he wanted if if dortmund wanted top dollar and if Bellingham wanted top dollar in wage, he wouldn't be joining Liverpool. All of a sudden, an international break pops up, 
it's a slow news day and he's just writing he's writing that and and putting it out as new news it's not it's not new is it we knew that already liverpool never pay you know ridiculous sums of money for players if real madrid and man city are genuinely interested which you'd imagine they are anyway because of well the quality of the player then of course it will be it will be very diff- very difficult for us to sign him it, that really bothered me Sam that coming out and it just makes me doubt all news that comes out during international breaks oh well I'm I'm sorry to hear that you were bothered um now that you mention it I saw this too but about Declan Rice there's been a lot of Declan Rice talk about Chelsea and Arsenal links uh very suddenly over over the international break um yeah, I guess it's just they've got nothing to talk about, really. In terms yeah, but, of yeah, and that's the thing is that else. we can, you know, you can see that that's the reason why. But these are these are credible journalists. Are they stooping to this level? Are they really scraping the barrel that much? Um, so I just think it's a pretty poor, poor excuse for a news article to just say, "Oh, FSG don't spend this much money." Yeah, we know that we've 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 been run like that for a long time. It's all just a bit silly, Sam, and it's all. It's all getting me hot under the collar. All right. Well, I'm glad you could get that off your chest. Yeah, thanks. Down with the news, I guess. Down with the news. Down with the international break news, I think. Stop posting news, everyone. Yeah, can everyone stop updating me with news? All right? Especially the international break. There's nothing else for me to do. But from my hate-filled rants to another man who likes to go on hate-filled rants, uh, you yes. see what I did there? Very good. I would clap, but uh, I'm not going to. <laughs> you're, you're of course talking about uh, the history of the Tottenham, which it is, is the history of the Tottenham. A new chapter is being written in the meme history books because Antonio Conte's gone off on one, and he might he might be going, which is very funny. But also very strange, and I don't know. It it is still funny, isn't it? It's very it's, funny. This this takes me back, right? To I was living in Southampton with my old housemate. He was a massive gooner, and he turns to me. We'd always talk when he turns to me. He goes, "Toby, they've got Conte. I'm a bit concerned." Should I be worried? And he said to me, Toby, reassure me and tell me everything's going to be okay. He said he's a serial winner. He was concerned. And I turned to him and I said, look, Dave, it's going to be fine because all he can do is win in the early couple of seasons. Spurs are too far away from, at the time, Liverpool and Man City to win in those early couple of seasons. And then there will be an impending meltdown of catastrophic proportions and it'll all be fine. And it's the same story of Mourinho. It's the same with Conte. I just, I don't understand Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. And I don't understand what they thought would happen. It was just so obvious what would happen. And we've all been tricked this whole time, or maybe it'll be different this time, or maybe it'll be fine. It was always going to end like this. And even if this isn't the end, it will still end. And they won't win anything. And this will be 
the significant point of it all. Well, he's not renewing, is he? Anyway, his contract's out. But Conte always has like a, a a timer at these clubs, doesn't it? And a lot of Spurs fans, when they were doing a lot better than they were under that other guy, <laughs> what was it called? Nuno? Is that his name? Nuno Espirito, Espirito Santo. Santo. God, he, he wasn't good. But yeah, they were like, oh, well, Conte seems to be really happy at Tottenham. Maybe he'll stay here for ages and he seems to get on well with Kane. But it just seems to be his... It just seems to be a Conte problem, really, doesn't it? Yeah, the guy's an egotistical maniac, and that's absolutely fine. You've got to be—you've clearly got to be absolutely nuts to be a football manager, full stop, right? To be the main man of this billion-pound club or whatever, and the pressure, and it's all on you, and you're coming out and having to front up to questions about ninety minutes of pure chaos with huge amounts of chance and luck thrown in at every turn refs who are making shocking decisions all over the pitch you've got 40,000 fans on the sideline shouting the whole way through you have to be nuts to be the main man main man to be a football manager um but he's just a whole a whole new level really well not even a new level but he's just a in a in his own certain box of crazy which there's few people in there with him I really liked on the all or nothing actually watching Arsenal uh, with Arteta and they did a lot of like post press conference like little bits where Arteta would be like you know puffing his cheeks and speaking to his the the media manager or whatever it is and they'd be just like that was crazy this week and I mean you you do take for granted a lot a lot of time just how mental <laughs> these uh this media frenzy can be on you at a time. They're vultures waiting for the slightest error. <clears throat> Even when things are going really well, they're waiting. They're waiting for something to go wrong so that they can say, are you not up to it anymore? Has something changed with you personally? Or are you no longer, have you lost the dressing room? That's a classic line, isn't it? You know, things like that. They're just, even when you're ultra successful and you've got so much credit in the bank, you're still getting hard times as soon as you just lose a game, as soon as something goes against you, as soon as you just snap when you shouldn't have snapped. Um, you know, Fulham's moments of madness at the weekend. They're, they're on to Marco Silva. The week before, Marco Silva's held it as the sort of manager of the year if the season was stopped now by Jamie Carragher. Oh, the job he's been doing on, with a newly promoted team is is insane. It's, it's, it's sensational. It's unheard of. Whatever, whatever yeah. And then the next week, as soon as they have one meltdown, after being in the lead and being the better team on the day than United up until their 90 seconds of madness, and afterwards it's, do you feel you've let the squad down because you let, you know, your head went and you, you got red carded? Did that have the effect on why the tie was completely thrown away? When in reality, this Fulham team is punching way above their weight. They were, they were they dominated United at Old Trafford. I've gone way off on a tangent here, but just about the media vultures, you know. And they're talking to him in the post-match press conference about this penalty, this penalty, and he's saying, "Hang on, there were two other penalty incidents. I haven't seen Fulham's penalty incidents because the media won't show it to me. No, I could just go and find it. But, but, you know, he's claiming, "Well, we don't talk about those. We don't talk about it. it's only everything is so everything's." so minutely broken down to the detail but it's just it's craziness how much media frenzy has there been on Conte specifically though because 
obviously he's had a lot of bad stuff going on this year. He's not been on the touchline for quite a few games. Tottenham are in fourth. It, it It's a weird one where I think a lot of Tottenham fans are un, unhappy with him and how the team is playing and certainly like how it looks. And just the fact that Conte's um, been dropping a few comments here and there like over the last few weeks that are gradually escalating towards this. Uh, is there a lot of pressure on, on Tottenham to actually like get into this top four, do you think? I think so, but I think it's brought on by Conte himself. Yeah. I think it's brought on by Conte saying he's a winner. He's not used to fighting for just fourth. He's not used to this. He should be at the top of the table. Me, me, me. I do this. I do that. You know what I mean? But but the hilarious thing is, is they are just sitting in fourth. Yeah. You know, and, and, and Spurs fans would bite your hand off every year to be just sitting in fourth with 10 games to go. 100%. Yeah. I mean, they're very happy about it last year. I know. But exactly. I saw, uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of that. <laughs> exactly. But the issue with it is that they all know that Conte is a ticking time bomb, and if year two you're still fourth, well, that's kind of him done. Then I reckon you have to. It's 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 the it's the hell Mary and it's the go for broke, right? It's if you're still if you finish fourth the first year under him, you think great, we've somehow sort of smash and grabbed that, we've done well let's kick on under Conte because we can now because we've got Conte and don't forget they won the window supposedly everyone was talking about um, at the start of the season they won the window they already finished fourth they can cement this they've had a better window than Arsenal they're ready to kick on now and they finished fourth again now under any other manager you'd say you know what we're, we're in the driving seat for fourth place Newcastle are creeping up behind us, fair enough, and they got a couple of games in hand, but their season's fallen off a cliff a little bit. They they could turn things back around, but we could still limp over the line, um, barring some some total meltdowns from Spurs. You know, we could still limp over the line. They'll drop points, we'll drop points, but if we keep up decent form, we should we should cross the line in fourth place. Then we assess at the end of the season. We could maybe then even bring in a new manager instead of Conte if he doesn't want to renew, and we kick on from there. Instead, for what seems to be kind of no reason whatsoever there's just been a total meltdown I don't, I don't it's baffling you mean you don't know why Conte's melted down well obviously he's, he's got issues with well I could have stopped the sentence there now obviously he's got issues with <laughs> the board with Daniel Levy with ambition yeah. this that the other but it seems to be that ultimately his ego won't allow him to accept that he has finished fourth twice in a row when realistically with the squad he's got I'm not saying they sh- they shouldn't be finishing fourth but you wouldn't say that they're they should be flying ahead of uh, of of the teams ahead of them yeah. they're not better than this Arsenal team obviously no one saw that coming at the start of the year but it's quite evident that they're not as good as Arsenal team they're not as good as Manchester City they're not as good as United they're not as good as most of the teams below them in how they play you know the actual the what they're getting out of their players and yet there they are sitting in fourth but it just seems to be that I don't know I don't know if it's Conte's way of trying to spin pressure to to get the signings that he wants and to get investment. I don't know if he thinks he's playing a game here with the board. I don't know if there's deeper issues with his contract renewal and maybe there's a position where, I don't know, he knows he doesn't want to continue and he just thinks I get sacked to get a payout. I really don't know. Yeah. Nobody knows. Well, the the thing is, the thing is though, like you talk about investment, like they've invested the same amount of money as Arsenal over the last five years. They've got 
a slightly higher wage budget than Arsenal. Arsenal are top of the league and Tottenham are 20 points behind. Like, I think Tottenham signings have just been terrible. Like, Well, also, they've invested uh, all of that alongside their new stadium. Yeah. Which is crazy, really. So he's been backed. Yeah. Well, it, it is quite a lot because when Arsenal built, built the new stadium, they, they weren't investing like Tottenham have done. And I know, like, the football landscape has changed a lot, but... I think uh, something that Levy seems to be doing is uh, trying to cash in on the, the foundations they've got sort of while Kane and Son are around and trying to get everything they can. I mean, like, they were really, really big on the Champions League, weren't they, when they got to the, the final? Like, any all or nothing, they were talking about that being one of the, the steps that they want to take for Tottenham and that they were ahead of schedule and it's it's just been downhill from there. Yeah, but that's um, that's insane as well. Ahead of schedule, and then what they sack Pochettino. So what was the schedule? They have the opportunity though. They have the opportunity to actually build something special. They really do because the the stadium's in place. The squad is a little bit odd because you've got like the twilight years essentially of like England, one of England's greatest ever goal scorers, right? But then you're also building this sort of wing-back squad for Conte, but knowing that he's not going to be staying in the likes of... Just the amount of wing-backs, by the way, the amount of wing-backs that Tottenham have signed is insane. Like, people forget about them because they just go... Like, do you remember they they bought Matt Doherty? I'm just going to look at how much was Matt Doherty because he was quite a lot. Like, Matt Doherty did really, really good for, um, for Wolves, obviously. Uh... They they signed him for seventeen million euros, and then, like two years later, they just release him on a free, because they messed up their their loan system. They bought Jed Spence <laughs> yeah, twenty five mil. Pedro Porro is like the same amount of money. Like you've got like a really old Perisic who was supposed to be like the highest fantasy Premier League scorer of all time at the start of the season, and he's like just scored his first goal or whatever in the league. Yeah, which, I mean, which is fine as well. Like, like, Re- oh no, it's not fine. Reggion, it's, not, it's not fine. But but <laughs> remember Reggion? Yeah, yeah, he just Reggion. got binned off. He was fine. There was nothing wrong with him, really. It seemed <laughs> he was he was average. I think. Yeah. yeah, okay, he was average. But but you're but the amount you drop on him, right? How much did they sign him for? Thirty mil. <laughs> okay, thirty mil, and then and then, I mean, what are they recouping for their investment? And, and what's the point? But, uh, it, Oh, it's exhausting, actually, I, I, Sam. It's actually exhausting. And and you know what? <laughs> if they just were a little bit more attacking and a bit more positive, there wouldn't be any of this meltdown because the fans would all be on board. Everything would be fine. And they'd just be happy that they're in fourth and in the driving seat for fourth. It's just... I just don't know where they go from here. And there's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of places to go from here when you look at... Right, we put in the chat... My, when we were talking about... Roy Hodgson coming coming in. And we mentioned the names of Michael Carrick. Okay, now look, he's doing a good job at Middlesbrough. Doesn't mean it will translate to the Prem. Not saying he should automatically get the Spurs job. But if you want to build a project, you could you could go for it with him. Vincent Company at Burnley doing a fantastic job. Probably wouldn't go to probably wouldn't go to Spurs anyway. And he's still proven himself and things like that, whatever. But fine. But you could go out there and get someone really young and exciting. Uh Shabby Alonso at Bayer Leverkusen. Um, doing well there, you know. Roberto De Zerbi's on this list, but he's you know he's at Brighton. But you could you could probably go in for him. Look, you're probably not going to get him now. 
or whatever, but you could have got him previously. Um, old William Stillium, you know. I'm not saying you go in for 30 year old Will Still off the back of a sort of over glamorized and sort of media darling story about his uh, Reims um, unbeaten run. But rest in peace. That run, rest in peace. Rest in no more tweets. Rest in peace. The run, but like the point is, is there's just people out there that as as Spurs with a brand new manager, and you're showing you're going to get investment. You could say, look, it's not going to work immediately, but let's stick with it. You're not going to go and win the league just because you bring in Conte anyway, because the quality, the golfing quality between City and at the time Liverpool, but now City and Arsenal is far too big. Okay. And, but that's fine. But build to it. Be on schedule. Don't say, don't be ahead of schedule, then go behind schedule and then tear up the schedule. And then just go, what, Mourinho? Well, no. Oh, I don't, I'm just getting lost in my own. In my own. <laughs> You're getting let, surprisingly angry about Todd. The... Let the hate run flow through you. That should just be the strap line of the podcast. You always sound like a Tottenham fan. Like, you're getting really passionate about how badly Tottenham have been run. It's just, it's so stupid. That's why it's so annoying. I think, because Conte's read, a lot of it was talking about the players as well. He said, like, they don't want to play in distress and this Tottenham story. But then he talks about the owner as well. I think that there is a little bit of a mix, like a kind of awkward transition into backing Conte in certain areas. And then big signings like Richarlison, who's been like kind of a ghost this season. But, not but he's not re- played regularly. He's a... not played regularly, and, and he was never going to play regularly. You've got Harry Kane and, and Son, and even when Son's been in dire form, he's still not like he's still he's still played a decent amount. Yeah, it was only recently that Son got dropped, and then uh, Richarlison got injured, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, and he's been out of form for ages. And when he got dropped, he comes on and scores a hat-trick, doesn't he? The first time he got dropped, he came on and scored a hat-trick. Son, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and it's like, oh, yeah, actually... you know, Well, first of all, it's like, oh, yeah, that's good managing that, because he would have done that if he hadn't been dropped. And it's like, well, now we've got to play him again. And he then just didn't do much again. And then, uh, and then it's like, oh, Richardson's done nothing. Well, yeah, of course not, because he's at a new club, and he was never exactly a world beater anyway. He wasn't just tearing it up for Everton, just banging in, you know, twenty, thirty goals a season. And you're like, Whoa, why is he at this club? It was never that shocking that Richardson was still at Everton. I just don't know what people expected. And then, and then you come in for a, a striker who's just never going to be dropped because he's Harry Kane, and that's fine. Why would you? But then. Don't well, start thinking. Amazing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't start thinking that Richard. We shouldn't start thinking Richardson's going to get a run of games yeah. to actually be able to do anything. I'm getting heated again, Sam. I'm getting hot under the collar. I know. I need to. I will I need say, to cool off. Actually, I don't care about Spurs. They're awful. I hate them. I actually really hate Spurs, and and they're making me <laughs> angry that they're bad. <laughs> I don't know why this week has been so angry, but I will just say about Tottenham. As an Arsenal fan. I always thought Arsenal were better than Tottenham, which feels like a bit of a tautology. But using my unbiased brain, which I can do, I have two brains uh, when I watch football, I generally think Arsenal played better than Tottenham did last season. And it was just kind of unfortunate that Tottenham beat them in the end. And I don't like what I mean is I think Tottenham are at the fifth best team and that's what they should be aiming for so a lot of this this craziness 
it's like, well, Tottenham are kind of where I thought they'd be, and they've spent really badly, but see where you finish and then do it because obviously they're really terrible to watch, which is bad. But like you know, like with Southgate, I guess isn't it? Maybe I'm being hypocritical because I hate watching Southgate and Spurs fans probably hate watching Tottenham, even though it's it's not an obvious disaster. I think also, like you, like you said, just based off the trajectories of where the two teams have gone, it's quite clear that Arsenal were the better team last year, even if they didn't pick up more points in the end. You know, you, you wouldn't have kicked on to the level you've kicked on. It's not just some freak that you've just become good. It's it's kind of freakish how good, but it's not like a total... Like, there have been things, there have been processes in place. Spurs, Spurs just look like a team who want to be sort of I don't know it's like they're striving to be boring but efficient but it just yeah. doesn't work in in this league I think you I don't, I don't know uh, no I don't I really don't know I think what I think though is I think because with Arsenal they've had the Arteta and Edu relationship which has been really really good they've been kind of um, pretty even and uh, on the same wavelength and pretty much all of Arsenal's signings have at least been all right and so many of them have just been like these perfect fits to the team and even when you look at things like Gabriel Martinelli is like an amazing find because he was he was only known from playing in that um, Brazilian cup that covers all the divisions Um, but you know six mil for Martinelli and he's you would say he's one of the better wingers in the league certainly this season he's one goal behind Rashford, so I think if I don't think Tottenham have that kind of setup, like you know, it's Conte and Paratici. Well, they don't at all because it's it, it reminds me of when Rodgers was at Liverpool. It's like a okay, it, it's it's their compromise, right? Is fine. You can have this player if I can sign this player, right? Liverpool did the same thing under Roger uh, uh, when we had Rodgers. We the board wanted, or well, not the board? Well, the, yeah, the board, but the the. The scouting slash analytics department, whatever you want to call it, the 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 stats nerds, the computer nerds, they we got Firmino and he wasn't a Roger signing. Roger started playing in wing back, and the Roger signing was Benteke. Right now, look in a different world, Benteke kicks off, does well. We like there's, there's it's no it's no dig on Benteke, who can be an effective player if the team is built in a certain way to play around him, and he has some all right games for us, but. It's just like signing. Oh well, we you can sign Benteke if we can. You can you can get Firmino, but I'll compromise and we get to have Benteke as the other signing. That's just like it's 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 counterproductive. It's not all pushing in the same in the same direction. And it's not to say it can't function, but you're not going to get the success that you need. You're not going to get that. The stars aren't going to align like they need to for you to go out and beat a Man City over a 38-game season, right? Spurs, with them being, or you can have, I don't even know who it was, Kulisevsky or Bentinkur or whoever was one of Conte's signings, Perisic, I guess, but we'll get Jed Spence then. And then, then you've just got Jed Spence just not playing. And then what? It, it just, what, what is that doing to the squad dynamic, the morale of the group? It just doesn't sound like a healthy way to all push in one direction and to win a Premier League these days in the era of billionaire owners, states funding clubs, 
you cannot there's no room there's no room for even referee errors or like injury prone players that are going to cost you let alone a a a, a club structure where your manager and whatever Daniel Levy is chairman I guess or chief you can't have this kind of like well you can have him if we can sign him it's just not going to it's surely that's not going to work so just before we go how many games do you think Mitch Rich will be suspended for I think it's all been blown out of proportion already I think it'll be I think it'll be a lot because I think they'll try and prove a point but I think it's scandalous give me a number well scandalous is harsh because he did just shove a ref so it is just stupid for Mitrovic. I'm not defending that at all. But it was kind of ramping up. It's kind of been ramping up all season. Yeah. In Look, I'm not saying Bruno okay. does the same thing in the Liverpool game, right? He doesn't at all. It's like a friendly pat on the back in comparison to what Mitrovic does. And I know, what's he called? I can't call him Baldy. Dermot Gallagher, is it? The uh, BT ref man in the, in the man in the van. Yeah, he's like, oh, well, the lines were initiated contact. No, that's a load of bollocks. You can't just... Sorry, sorry, I've, I've flown off the handle here, Sam. That, I think that's actually fine, though. I, that, that's off-com allowed, that word. Okay. I think, okay. I think that's a, I think that's a load of bollocks, because I think, ultimately... <laughs> if, if the ref creates distance between two players physically, it doesn't mean that there's an excuse for the ref to get chinned and you go well he laid his hands on him first it's just nonsense right I'm not saying refs should go around putting themselves in a position where they're between two players but if the lino is in his position down there and sort of puts his arm out to just stop something escalating it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that he's just fair game to be to be assaulted for for the rest of the game or, or in that action right so I think that's I think that's just nonsense um, I know that's not what Fernandez did exactly but you let that completely slide and it wasn't even mentioned it wasn't even spoken about no warning nothing so then it's all been ramping up also the way that players are surrounding refs this season in the league I mean it's I saw a clip because obviously my Twitter's very biased of United fans all getting in um the ref's face, I think it was actually last season or something in, in a Liverpool game when they when a decision didn't go their way or something and all kicking off. Or maybe it was the Man City thing when... Well, even that, the Man City, the Rashford offside. like there's it, It's been ramping up. It's been ramping up. And because of this, Mitrovic will bear the brunt of all of those events, I think, on his... Well, it's the thing, like, uh, Arsenal had a bit of a phase where they would just get, like... Uh, I think there was, like, two weeks in a row. It, it was even twice in a week, actually. Because it was in uh, a cup game as well. Arsenal got fined for crowding the referee. And then I made sure to look at other teams and see if they were doing it. <laughs> and, you know, obviously other teams have been fined as well. But it was just... It's only like a select number of fines. And when you watch the Premier League, you realise that everyone is swarming the referee. And like on Arsenal Twitter, there were all sorts of incidents from games where we got fined. Where the other team was swarming the referee in a manner worse than what Arsenal got fined for. And... Uh, I think um, Arsenal said they were contesting the fines uh, with evidence, and you look across the season, and it is just seems to be happening like. Oh, I bet a there's lot. plenty of evidence. I bet there's plenty of evidence. Um, 
Can you just give me two seconds, Sam, on a quick pause, and then we'll come back to make one final closing point. I just need to make sure the door's open for Becky to come in. Yeah, I think Mitrovic will, will bear the brunt of, of all of those other things, but I did say to you two weeks ago, every single Premier League footballer, Sam, they cheat constantly, and I stand by that. Yeah, that didn't make the cut last week. <laughs> you cut it out, and now... Uh... You cut out all of my good points. William Stilliam, he's the hottest prospect going, and, and now I can't even claim it. He doesn't. He doesn't play football manager, though. No, he doesn't he play says. football manager. Um, give me a number, though. How many games is Mitrovic going to be out for? Uh, eight. I think five. Uh, yeah, obviously, I've written down here that Suarez was banned for eight games for racist abuse and ten games for when he bit Branislav Ivanovic. Oh, was he eight games it for the racist abuse? Yeah, I was thinking ten for that, and ten each. But yeah, ten for in that title. in that case, then they won't be able to do that. Maybe I think you're right. Then five, or maybe like a six. They might see if they can get away for six or seven. Yeah, well, because uh, the the head of the referees group said he should be out for the rest of the season, which is eleven matches, which which seems excessive when you look at because he doesn't like even grab the arm. He like just puts a wrist out and he, he just he just aggressively makes the ref face him which is never a great move anyway um because you are essentially just squaring up to the referee at that point but but he he more just it's more like a look at me kind of thing like a it's like an overboil of frustration and like a it's like an at least look at me but it's completely over the top but he's completely lost his head at that point so you know. Yeah, all, all the pointing at the ref's face is after the red card like the red the red card is instant for uh putting his wrist on the uh, referee's uh, forearm. <laughs> and also, the ref the ref was also from Manchester. Can we just not forget that? <laughs> well, uh, Arsenal fans will tell you that uh, a vast majority of the referees are from the north-west of England, and none of them are from the London area. There's some very good maps you can look at of where referees come I from have in seen, the country. I have seen a couple of these of these exclusive maps. That Transpennine area is is dense with referees, I have to say. But what does it mean? Nobody can say for sure. Yeah. And Marco Silva did actually talk about having Chris Kavanagh for other games and him not getting decisions and just getting apologies. And then this happens again. So it's kind of like a, you know. Well, that's a Chris Kavanagh thing, though, as well. Yeah. It's just like he's not, he's not a confident uh, referee. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I think that's about everything for this week. Uh, it's the international break next week, so we'll be doing something slightly different because there will be no news. Should we stream Football Manager to zero viewers? Oh, yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, I need to show the world Maduccio, a 39-year-old Maduccio. Thanks for joining me, Toby. Goodbye. Bye. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>